Thanks, Jack. I'll say, bless the Lord, if you'll say, oh, my soul, bless the Lord. Bless his holy name. Hi, Kairos. Hello, I'm Chris. I'm the pastor here. Um, we're on this side of Resurrection Sunday, so I'll say he's risen. If you'll say he's risen indeed. He's risen. He's risen indeed. Now, I know that text takes some of the steam out of things, like, oh my gosh, Jesus is risen. The sinless son of God was sacrificed. He conquered death and sin, and now is going to be ready to ascend, and he's going to return. And then all of a sudden, you see the disciples locked in a room going, uh, now what? Anyone else besides me have post-holiday depression? Like, after Christmas and Easter, I just need to schedule a therapy day or something. Like, there's so much buildup. There was 40 days of Lent and this awesome, huge celebration. I had an awesome time being here at my church and two services and it was just incredible. And then I ate a meal with family and friends and then ate another meal with family and friends and just blessed Jesus all day long. And then I woke up Monday morning and it felt like someone stuck two bottle rockets in my ears and lit them. Um, you remember that last week we talked about being lazy ever one of those days when you just want to get back into bed? I did. I got up. I spent my, got my quiet times. I read scripture. I couldn't remember a single word I read. I broke out my prayer journal and I wrote, Dear Jesus, I'm sorry, and closed my prayer journal and went back to bed. I grabbed my youngest kid and snuggled him like a little bunny and went back to sleep for a whole nother hour. I was just like, I'm struggling to get back into things. I don't know about you guys, but uh, Jesus forgave me, by the way. We're, we're on speaking terms since then. He's like, buddy, do us all a favor and go back to bed, or at least that's how I hear the voice of the Lord in my life. Now What? The resurrection has happened. Do we just go back to living our lives as normal? What did this mean for the disciples? They're trying to grasp with the reality of a resurrected and risen Jesus, and I imagine they fully, still don't fully understand. And I think it's easy sometimes when we read from our perspective, like, oh, those poor, stupid little disciples. It just takes them so long to get it. I wonder if sometimes you and I have missed it. Now what? What do we do with the risen and resurrected Jesus? I love um, what Tim Keller says. He says it this way. If Jesus is risen from the dead, then you must accept everything he has said. I don't know if he's trying to be lyrical there, but it works for me. It feels like a great bottom line statement. He says, if Jesus is risen from the dead, then you must accept everything that he said. That's what's now what. And we'll go on to write, hey, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then just forget about it all. So Tim Keller, prominent pastor, respected theologian. Hey, if Jesus hasn't risen from the dead, then none of it really matters. What he's doing is paraphrasing Paul that says, if Jesus is not risen from the dead, we are to be pitied above all people. He says, but if he has in fact risen, then that is the fundamental question of whether Christianity has validity in your life. And if it is true, then everything Jesus said is true. What is he doing there? He's just rephrasing C.S. Lewis, one of his favorite theologians and storytellers who gave the classic example is, you have three options with Jesus, what you're going to do with him. He's either a liar, a lunatic, or the son of God. Those are the three options he gave you. 
because anybody who said the things he said was just a bold-faced liar, or he was a lunatic, or he was exactly who he said he was, did the things he said he did, and is coming back to fulfill all of his promises. And he says, you can spit in his face, lock him up in an insane asylum, or fall at his feet and worship him. But let's not have this, hey, Jesus is a good teacher kind of talk. That's not an option he left open for you. He is either the risen, resurrected son of God, or he is the biggest fraud ever perpetrated on humanity in history. And I think we're here because the risen and resurrected Jesus wants to speak to you very clearly tonight. Here's the problem, though. I've got no problems, personally, fully and freely admitting that Jesus is the Son of God who's come to take away the sins of the world, who is returning again, and he's bringing heaven to earth, and I can't wait to be a part of it. The problem is not him. The problem is the fact that so many times in my faith journey, I've been a liar and a lunatic. I live more into the lies than I do in the truth. I believe the lies that Satan says about me rather than the truth of what God says. I've made more promises that I've broken to Jesus than I care to count. I've rededicated my life 9,000 times or promised I would never struggle with that sin again. And again and again, I have to come back. What do you guys do when the lies speak louder than the truth? When your fear starts to make you timid, fragile creatures. Have you ever had this point in your spiritual journey where you're bona fide a lunatic spiritual person? Like you have spiritual schizophrenia. I, I had it a lot of times. It produced multiple personality disorder. I was one way around one group of people, another way around another group of people. It just depended on which way the wind was blowing. That's what identity I decided to put on that day. I know how easy it is sometimes for me to come into places like this and sing and shout about the love of Jesus and step out those doors and go right back into fear. Bold and brave with believers, timid around those yet to believe. I hesitate. Don't tell the full truth. I want to sand off some of the rough edges that the gospel has sometimes because at the end of the day, I think I care more about what you think about me than what Jesus does. Now what? I think we need the same things that the disciples needed. We need the resurrected Jesus to revisit us. We need him to patiently and lovingly say, peace be with you. It's the first words out of his mouth in this text. Partly it's because he knows how afraid they are. He knows their worlds are turned upside down. He knows they've given their life for something and all of a sudden it's coming crashing down. They have no viable next steps for their future. They have zero clarity at this point. They are tragically confused. And I would say to you that their faith is at an all-time high to receive the power and presence of God. That the trust factor is going to go through the roof they're behind a locked door. This is really neat to think about because Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection. So he's giving us a glimpse at what our resurrected bodies might look like. He's more real than the door. So straight through it. Awesome. He's in their midst. Have you ever walked in a room and someone doesn't know you're there and you're trying to gently say, I'm here. 
Uh, that happened to me today. I was coming in the office. Stephanie was behind the door on the couch. She goes, just want to let you know I'm here. Thank you very much. I may have peed in my pants just a little bit right now, but I'm not going to tell you that. Whew. Jesus appears. Peace be with you. Oh, fearful child. Hear the words of Jesus. Peace be with you. Now, a lot of people want to say, well, this is how I interpret their voice as I'm reading the commentaries. Don't make a big deal out of peace be with you. It was a standard Jewish greeting during the day. I'm going to make a big deal out of it, okay? Sure, it's their way of saying in Hebrew, what's up, right? That's fine. It's good. <laughs> Hi, hello, how are you? Good, great, grand, whatever. Let's move on. No, peace be with you. Shalom. God's peace. Now, it may have faded into traditionalism. It may have faded into meaningless for some people. But I would say a standard greeting on the lips of Jesus becomes a new standard for living. He says, peace be with you. What do they mean when they say that? For generations, God's people have said it as a way to greet, to pray, to prophesy, and to praise about Jesus. Finally, the coming of the Messiah. When they say God's peace, what are they doing? They're praying and preparing for a day when God's word, his will, and his ways reign supreme. What are they doing? They're praising. They're praising God for being the creator and his created. The fact that we're image bearers and light sharers of his lavish love and his majestic mercy. It's God's peace. What are they also saying? In the midst of tragedy, confusion, chaos, and conflict, God's peace. They're prophesying about a day when there will be no more mourning or crying or weeping or pain because the old order of things has passed away and behold, he's made all things new and God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what's in that greeting, God's peace. And so I say it on behalf of Jesus tonight in front of you, God's peace. Because none of us are going to hear the rest of what he said until we receive his peace. Now, do you want to practice it? Or would you rather just listen to it? Too bad, you're going to practice it. Okay. All right, so, I, you know, I love spiritual practices. And some of them are silly. And if you don't do it, I'll seriously be offended and you'll rob my peace. So you don't want that kind of guilt tonight, okay? This is called passing the peace. All right, so what it is, is a lot of times in church traditions, there's a thing right before you take Lord's Supper with your brothers and sisters, it's called passing the peace. In about two minutes and 35 seconds, roughly, I'm gonna stand up here and I'm gonna say, the peace of God be with you. And you're gonna say back to me, and also with you. Let's practice it. The peace of God be with you. And also with you. Oh, you guys are ready. I like this, okay? By the way, let me take a quick, quick survey. Walked in this room tonight, scale of one to 10, where are you at in your peace factor? 10 being Jesus and I came in hand in hand, one be going, my face would be on the ground if you could see my spiritual person, okay? How many of you are above a five? Raise your hand. How many of you are currently below a five in a deficit? Good, we're gonna need this, it's gonna work out perfect. The numbers are sinking up. Holy Spirit, come. <laughs> then, after I say, the peace of God be with you, and you say, and also you. we will stand up in just a second, and to your brothers and sisters, you will say, God's peace. And they'll reply back, God's peace. Another way that you can say it, 
the peace of God be with you. And you can reply, and also with you. I don't care how you do, I, I do care, okay, <laughs> let me rephrase that. <laughs> There's a standard handshake when you lock eyes with a brother and sister who is representative of Jesus' presence here on earth because we are the body of Christ. And you say, God's peace. If you happen to know someone and you have permission, you may hug them. Okay. If you're a germaphobe, you can fist bump God's peace and wipe it off. It's okay. It's all right. Just wherever you're at. I just want whatever level of faith you have, bring it to the table. Okay. In some places where we did this, all the teenagers would always go, God's peace, and just throw deuces. Okay. You may do that as well. If you'd like. I know where you sit. So... Whatever fits your style. What this is is basically a God-sanctioned meet and greet, okay? And I'm delivering all you introverts from the burden of small talk. What I've just done is give deep spiritual significance to a standard greeting that God wants to make the new standard of our living, which is God's peace. You ready to practice it? We're going to practice passing the peace. May the peace of God be with you. Find three or four people, stand, hug them, shake their hands, tell them God's peace. You get your spouse first. Bless the Lord. Yeah. Very good. Thank you for practicing that. You didn't even need your phone. It was amazing. It was human interaction. Oh my gosh, the community of God is real. Jesus is risen. Here's what we're going to do. Just a heads up. We're going to do that every week for this series. And that's going to be a new... Oh, great, great. <laughs> All the extroverts rejoice. All the introverts are like, I ain't coming back. I can live stream. <laughs> that was way too much, Chris. My piece is totally gone now that we passed it. <laughs> I understand. It's okay. It'll be weird at first. You'll mess it up. Then it'll feel ritualistic. And then it will be deeply significant. It'll be a, a rut of righteousness that you constantly return to. At least for your pastor, know that this is what this phrase has done in my life. It is my go-to phrase and reminder and prayer when I don't know what to say. When I need the power, the patience, and the presence of Jesus in a way that I'm not really sure how to say or to act. It becomes something as simple as when my child has skinned their knees and they're losing their mind. I put my hand on their shoulders and I say, God's peace. 
It's when one of them is riddled with anxiety because they don't know if they can handle all the tests they have to take or the social situations they're facing. God's peace, child. It's when I look my bride in, my eye, in the eyes and I just look at her and say, God's peace. And sometimes it's full of joy and sometimes it's full of sadness. It was all I knew to say to my wife for a year and a half as her dad slowly died in institutionalized care. God's peace. God's peace. That's what I text to some of my daughters who are, that's not spiritual daughters. That's, it's getting weird now. I'm sorry. <laughs> some girls who we discipled who I consider part of my spiritual family whose marriages are rupturing and they're only a couple years in. God's peace, child. I'm praying for hope and healing, but above all else, peace be with you. I'm praying and I'm prophesying a day when he makes all things new. And the brokenness isn't this bad. It'll come. I want it to be part of the vernacular of our community. I wonder what happens when we just look at each other and just kind of nod and smile and go, God's peace. Part of that, too, is I'm relieving myself of the burden of saying anything profound or fixing your problems. Rather, I want to enter in and acknowledge the chaos, the conflict, or the uncertainty, and I want to speak God's peace into it. Good? Well, I don't think I need to do anything else. God's peace, thank you, I appreciate it. Yeah, we're done. How's that for a conclusion? There? Yeah, no, no, I don't feel like, I feel like that's what we needed to hear tonight. Boggs, come on up, let's go. Um, there's a couple moves left in the text. If you go home, get a chance to read it, please do. Jesus says, peace be with you. They, and they recognize and rejoice that it's Jesus. Make sure you have daily disciplines that help you recognize and rejoice when you hear the voice of Jesus. Then he lets them touch his hands and his side. Once you feel peace, you feel comfortable sharing your wounds with others. My question is, who do you trust with your wounds and your scars? Part of the reason you're probably being robbed of your peace is you're living out of your woundedness, not into your healing. Then he has to say to them again, peace be with you. He says it twice, probably because he knows about what he's about to say is gonna require double peace. <laughs> As the Father has sent me, so I send you. I have to ask myself the question is, maybe one of the reasons I have such a lack of peace in my life is because I've totally neglected the mission God has sent me on. As the Father sends me, so I send you. And then he says, receive the Holy Spirit and breathe on them. Why does he do that? Well, one, the Holy Spirit is literally in Hebrew, Ruach HaKodesh, 
or in Greek, pneumohagios, the breath of God, the wind of God, the storm of God. He's echoing recreation when his father breathed into the clay and gave Adam the breath of life. He's now recreating his friends and his followers with his spirit. He breathes on them and gives them the very spirit of the living God. Maybe the reason we're lacking a lot of peace is we're not receiving what the Lord is giving. And that's his Holy Spirit. What do you do to access the wind, the breath, the storm of God? Are you sensitive to enough when it changes directions? Are you okay that it doesn't give you clarity yet into 10 steps, but only gives you the next one and waits for you to be obedient? He is the comforter. He is the guide. Bear of peace. Oh, Holy Spirit, come. And then he says, if you forgive other sins, they're forgiven. If you hold them against them, they're held against them. I think he's just trying to say, I've now authorized you with my mission and my message. And that is, God is forgiving sins through me. How will they know their sins are forgiven if you don't tell them? someone in here tonight who needs to make peace with God I just want to let you know you can lay down your weapons of war your questions are valid I know you have concerns but if the risen and resurrected Jesus tonight is telling you peace question is this for you guys to think on for a couple seconds. Ask the Holy Spirit, that's the one we talked about in the text, God's breath, the wind of God, to blow your mind in the direction of someone by name this week you need to pass the peace of God to. Let's listen together.